podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. My name is Joel Sked and just like the mar- mighty heart of Lovian, I have been demoted. But unlike, unlike my beloved, it's not unfairly as I get to do Lorley Podcast, which means I am joined by two fellow muck dwellers. The man who puts the O in Kitty O's, Sean McGuigan. Who puts the O into what? Kitty O's. <laughs> Kitty O's? What's yeah. Kitty O's? <laughs> what am I thinking of? You're, you're thinking of kitties and Jackie O's. <laughs> and, and inexplicably, <laughs> I've, decided, I've decided to combine them. Uh, he puts the O into Kitty O's. Well, yeah, hello, hello, you okay? Two minutes in and you fucked it. Oh, bad. <laughs> I don't even. I don't want to go on with the rest of it. It, 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 it just gets worse. Videos. There's a serial. Kirkcaldy's only super club finally joined forces. <laughs> oh man! What a fucking idiot! <laughs> yeah, and then. I had something for you, Gary, regarding clubs in Dundee, but um, yes, Gary Cocker. I'm here. Hiya. yeah. <laughs> oh. How are you guys? Uh, even better than I was five minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my my mood has con- uh, improved considerably uh, now that uh, we've we've had a skeleton to open the show. Yeah, I was uh, I was pretty happy with my introduction as well. I was uh, I wrote it out and I was like, oh, that's 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 decent enough rather than just going for the straightforward. Um, any any Mon- Monroe's climbed recently? No, no, I, no. I, I, I don't climb one rose. Okay, I just, uh, just a continuation from the last, the, the last podcast. It's uh, now um, just to uh, keep listeners up to date. Craig Telver is up to two Munros out of two hundred eighty-two, so only two hundred to go. Two hundred eighty to go. Two hundred eighty to go. Yeah, he's getting there slowly but surely. So we've got plenty in store for the show uh, this evening, uh, plenty to rattle through. What was meant to be a championship-heavy podcast, but the SBFL decided to chuck a grenade into the mix with the announcement that Motherwell had been handed two 3-0 wins for postponed games against Killian St Mirren, while Hamilton Ackies recorded their biggest away win in more than six years when they were handed a 3-0 <laughs> win against against the Buddies. Um, so basically, both teams were found in breach of very similar uh, breach of protocol. Uh, yeah. So basically, Kelly were guilty of failing to observe physical distancing with seating arrangements on the coach and the pre-match meal for an away game. St Mirren had a number of breaches involving seating arrangements, pre-match meal. Um, they were failing to provide suitable facilities to enable players to observe distance and there was car sharing on the go. I think so, it would be quicker to list the things St Mirren were doing correctly under the guidance. <laughs> And the things they were doing incorrectly. Uh, yeah, just an, an absolute shambles. Um, but they also both have a suspended fine of forty thousand pounds. Of course, they don't. Um, they don't do any anything naughty again for the rest of the season. So, Gary, what do you make of the decision as a whole? Do you feel sympathy for these clubs, or should they take their medicine and move on? Well, I, I can't imagine why the Hearts fan is suggesting that. Um, I mean, I, I'm very much in the boat that I'm sure Sean is in, which is if it doesn't affect my own club, it's usually quite a good laugh. Um, <laughs> but I appreciate there's there's much more at stake here, uh, particularly for St Mirren, who have um, lost two of their games in hand unexpectedly, including one to a team that I think there was there was a little crack of daylight emerging between them and Ackes, which has been slammed firmly shut by the SPFL and their pro Lanarkshire agenda. But however, it's I've seen quite a lot of fans speak about whether it's inconsistent with what uh, was applied to Aberdeen and Celtic, but 
on the flip side of that, um, fans have pointed out probably quite fairly that the infringements that caused Aberdeen and Celtic games to be postponed were individual players and not down mm. to a sort of club arrangements, if you will, whereas with Kilmarnock and St Mirren, it was what the club was doing. Now, both clubs, I think, would argue that they were following um, they were following Scottish government guidance um, rather than SPFL guidance, and that's that seems to be where the, the wrinkles have appeared here. Um, but I think that regardless of that, it's I can see how from the outside, it, or I say from the outside, how if you just get the rudimentary facts, it would look as if it has been inconsistent and there is probably a debate to be had about what would actually be a fair punishment and what wouldn't be. Um, but I think the fact is that with both Killy and St Mirren, it's, it's been pretty sustained uh, sustained rule-breaking uh, when it comes to COVID and I think it looked like this was always on the cards for me. But without without having the without having had a proper look at it because I happened this afternoon when I was when I was working, but like my first my, my first thought was St Martin might be guiltier than Kilmarnock, but yeah, they both yeah. essentially had the same punishment. So so if 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 there's anything that maybe wasn't fair about it, then then it's probably that. In terms of uh, in terms of people fans comparing it to uh, what happened to Celtic and Aberdeen, it's like comparing apples and elephants. It, like, it's two completely different scenarios. It was. Celtic's case, it was individual players kind of no adhering to rules. I suppose Aberdeen, it was it was exactly the same. Rather than two football clubs having processes in place that that weren't following the guidelines. Now I'm sure they might argue that that, that they that they did. I'm sure they had a had a defence. Whether they were right or wrong, presumably, I suppose it maybe depends what what, what club you what club you support. Whether you, you think they they had a they had a case or not. So I, as Gary mentioned, in terms of in terms of where I I stand on it. It, it didn't affect Wraith Rovers. It didn't affect the Scottish national team, uh, and and from having a quick a quick scan online, it, it really made me laugh in terms of fans uh, losing their head about it, and especially one or two one one or two accounts that I particularly dislike. They seem really annoyed. So that's I'm absolutely fine with it. Um, uh, I'm jumping off here from what you said, Sean. Though I'm sure this is not one of the accounts that you mean, um, but I did notice that Pi and Bovril tweeted at 2.46 p.m. Uh, hey ho, we take our medicine and move on uh, with regards to St Mirren. And since then, um, well, let's just say I don't think he has moved on just yet. But I'm sure that's I'm sure that's in the post. I'm sure I'm sure it will be dropped. Particularly if Ake's just squeeze into eleventh spot above St Mirren um, by three points or less come May. Yeah, I, this, uh, I hope I hope I hope Hamilton stay up by two points. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. <laughs> this is this, this. There's there's two two major bugbears for me within this. Is that this? It's just like uh, maybe not bugbears because it's actually still quite funny. This is the season everyone could have just thought, right, Hamilton, that's it. That's 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 saying we've been so poor, uh, been regressing. Brian Rice has had a uh, disastrous performance. And then, bang, just like that, get this massive win after a draw against Aberdeen. And you're thinking, they're going to do it again. Remember, they're uh, going to do it again. Remember what happened with, uh, it couldn't have been last season, it must have been the season before, I think. I'm losing track now. When Albion Rovers looked absolutely doomed. And then yep. they had the they had that result awarded to them. I think it was a, a victory over Clyde, the, the Clyde player, an ineligible player. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Albion Rovers who looked they looked absolutely doomed. Uh, they've been the worst team in that league by a mile, uh, and and Berwick looked like that they would just kind of paddle to safety and keep themselves above Albion Rovers. And then they, they just like seem to get inspired from that awarded victory. Uh, but actually, no, when I think about it, Hamilton, I'll probably still get hammered every week. Yeah. And on the other side, well, I'll say the other side of Lanarkshire, it's basically right next to each other. And as we all know, M&Ds is much closer to Hamilton than it is Motherwell. But with Motherwell, uh, this has been a, a real red letter day for them. It's six points in the bag. Um, another six goals to the good as well. It's, it's put them firmly up um, with the weekend's game against Hibs really being a, a becoming much more of a six-pointer um, than it was before as well. So that's... Uh, that's surely a positive for Stephen Robinson's men. I enjoyed, I think it was Craig Anderson who pointed out, I think it was Craig Anderson, pointed out that the SPFL are now their top goal scorer with six, uh, with Mark O'Hara on three. But I'm not <laughs> sure that will be represented on the SPFL website. But my, my only other 
uh, bugbear and again it was uh, Craig Anderson who is um, who's very good with the minutiae I, I am not I, I, I'm more of a skimmer but he brought up the so when you go on the SPFL website and the, the, the statement it gives you an option to read the basically read it in full as to why they were um, given the punishments they were and both I think well, what, certainly one of the, uh, one of the suggestions was they took um, they took an example or they used uh, rugby as an example, uh, certain incidents in rugby, and they're just like that's uh, that's shit. Don't 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 bring rugby into this. It's, I mean, it, it's very easy for the three of us, maybe not so much you, uh, Joel, given your uh, recent experiences uh, with the SPFL's uh, rulings on your club, but. It's, it's probably quite easy for us to sit here and, and have a, a good bit of a laugh, but it must be infuriating if you're a fan of either St Mirren or Killy to uh, to see what looks like an inconsistent and uh, sort of thinly thinly based judgment, if I can put it that way, uh, on your club. But I suppose all that the clubs can try to do is use that as a springboard to bigger and better things. So Sean mentioned the example of Albion Rovers um, just suddenly spring to life after... Uh, after sort of lucking out a little with a previous judgment, the one I would refer to is when uh, Dundee were handed a 25-point penalty way back in the 2010-11 season. Uh, Dundee used that to go on a 23-game unbeaten run. So that's the challenge to Kilmarnock Football Club and St Mirren Football Club. You can now go on the 23-game unbeaten run, other than the times, well, I suppose they could draw with each other um, and just boost their way to the top six that way. So, you it's, know. It's, funny you should, it's funny you should mention that example, uh, Gary. The Rafe Rovers advent calendar today had... Uh, Alan Walker's goal that ended your twenty your ended your unbeaten run when Wraith Rovers beat us two one. Uh, that, that starts Parker was uh, that was tremendous. So I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Thank you. Yeah, I'm, I, I could say something about Neil McCann, but I'm still not over please that. Don't, so please. <laughs> Before we move on, just sticking with the Wraith Rovers advent calendar, is this one that uh, involves chocolate, or is it one you could purchase, or is it an <laughs> online thing? No, no, I, I'm i 42 and I haven't had an advent calendar in about 37 years. That's uh, <laughs> just, just an online one. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure uh, Rafe Rover is probably uh, not in a position to invest in advent calendars with all the roaring back mugs they still have in stock. <laughs> Only 426 to get rid of. <laughs> right, let's move on to the real reason why we're here. The Scottish Championship, the only league which matters in Scotland, to be honest. Uh, we're looking at three teams, only one of which we support. And But we'll start from the bottom up. So our broth, the Smokies, the Red Lickies, they sit second bottom with two points from five games. Sean, why have they been so disappointing? It's funny because I, I don't think I've been entirely surprised at our broth's poor start to the season. You, you think back to... It, even even though they've they've kept the vast majority of the players that done so well last season, the, you, you think back to how their season unfolded last time around. So they they, they started the season pretty well. Uh, Bobby Lynn was probably like their main creative outlet, and I've heard him getting interviewed. I think he done a I think he done an interview with Danny Denham about Christmas time, and Danny was asking him about his season in general. He said when first coming into the league, it, they felt like they had a like they kind of got the surprise on a lot of teams. Uh, he was doing very well in terms of scoring goals and setting goals up. But he felt that once they'd got the first round of fixtures out of the way, it was like people had learned how to deal with them. So mm-hmm. teams hadn't really seen them before, didn't know how to deal with them. And really all they did was just double up on, on Bobby Lynn. And then suddenly the, their goals kind of, kind of dried up. So yes, they were, still, they were still a team that was difficult to break down because they had an excellent defence. But they, they 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 didn't have goals in them and they didn't have that creativity because Bobby Lynn had been essentially marked out the game. I then, they went diffi- then they went on that difficult run, and that was only really that only really came to an end when they brought in Craig White. So suddenly Craig White was doing, I suppose, what Bobby Lynn was doing. So they was kind of out wide, and uh, and and some games he was starting up front, and and White had done really well. It was his, uh, it was I suppose that loan spell kind of suggested that maybe there was something about White and that, that we hadn't seen for a wee while, maybe since he's done Dundee days, I suppose, and I didn't really think he was that good at Dundee either. But it was that that, that really kept our growth out of, out of trouble towards the tail end of last season. Now, Bobby Lynn is 35, still there. Craig White obviously went back to Hearts and then started the season, I suppose, reasonably well. 
certainly certainly had some good patches. How our both have attempted to fill that gap has been uh, Michael Ruth. I suppose I suppose they've tried to fill that gap with, with two different players at the opposite end of the spectrum when it comes to experience. So Chris Doolin was brought in, which I was surprised at because he he disappointed in his his last spell with that level with Air United. He, he kind of looked like. Kind of like he was maybe done. I know that's quite a, quite a nasty thing to say, but he certainly done nothing to suggest that he could perform at that level. So they brought in Chris Doolan, and at the opposite end of the spectrum, they brought in Michael Ruth, 18, on loan from Aberdeen. Now, he's kind of impressed in fits and starts, I think. Adbroth fans have wanted him to be, to, to have a, to, to play a bigger part in the team. He's had kind of bit part uh, appearances so far. He, he did start against Dufferman. Chris Doolan is, is, is maybe flattered to deceive as, as well. So, so they haven't solved the problem that they needed to solve, which is how are they going to, how can they create chances and how can they take them once they've managed to do that? Now, last season, I always said that Arbroath and Aloha, actually, I know when I talk about Aloha, but when I spoke about both part-time teams, I, I said that they weren't just good part-time teams, they were actually good teams in, in general. But I would now say that looking at Aloha and looking at Arbroath, they are now maybe just good part-time teams. Certainly defensively, very good. They're still difficult to break down, but I am not entirely sure where, where the goals are, are, are going to come from. They, they still put, funnily enough, they still put a load of crosses into the box. When I saw them on opening day of the season and, and any time I've, I've, I've watched their games, they, they still deliver a reasonable amount of crosses into the area. But Luke Donnelly, as much as he's got height, if he's playing up front, he's no somebody that, that is particularly great in, in the air. In terms of the rest of the forwards that they've got, Again, they're probably not going to thrive on, on crosses into the area, which is an issue when you're quite a direct team. And then, uh, as well as Chris Doolin, who's 33, Bobby Lynn, who's 35, you look at the starting 11 that they had against Dunfermline, like Gavin Swanky started at, at wing-back, and he's 37. Like, like there's probably... These players are, are probably going to have to do a lot of heavy lifting if our both are going to score goals. And with the greatest will in the world you're now approaching your kind of mid to even late thirties and, and Alawa look like they have a real a real issue there and I and I don't know how I don't know how they're going to solve it. Because last year they solved it with Craig White because they had they were able to go into the loan market and and, and and pluck out a success. Uh whether whether they've got the whether they've got the money to, to do that and go into the loan market and, and sort things in January, I am not so sure. Uh I, it looks like they've 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 Certainly from, from midfield to front, they have a lot of problems and how they fix it with the current squad, I'm not sure. I was I was relatively impressed with them. Relatively, I was impressed with them when I went up there for the Hearts game early on in the season. They were, for for periods, over the better side, kept Hearts. We were very one-dimensional. Well, we looked very one-dimensional against against our broth. They defended really well. Just like you said, they've still got a, a really solid, uh, solid defence. I mean, they uh, uh, Tom O'Brien, Thomas O'Brien wasn't even playing uh, that game, and they still they still looked very solid as if they knew exactly what to do. And then Mirko Vertanen in front for just just a real big presence that, uh, that I think teams teams in Scotland. I, I just think that I think they need. And I've been disappointed with the lack of minutes for Connor Smith, but it does seem that it's. It's almost unfortunate you say that talk about our both as a part-time team. Uh, it can be hard to, it can be hard to kind of evolve or refresh things when you have put like the likes of Bobby Lynn and Gavin Swanky have, have given so much to the, to the club to to move them on and kick on again while you are a part-time team in a division full of uh, full-time uh, full-time opponents. I think there's a, a there's been a suggestion for the fans this season. I'm not saying it's necessarily true, but there's been a suggestion that maybe Dick Campbell has been too loyal to certain players. Uh, but the, I think the examples that we're using was that, that Michael Ruth and Connor Smith weren't getting the, the minutes that they felt that, that they maybe should be getting. But then, by the same token, and I think it's that example where when a team is struggling, the players who aren't getting a game. Become better by in, in their absence, I suppose, mm-hmm. because they because, because they haven't been associated with with losing or no scoring. Uh, but as I say, Ruth did play at, at the weekend, and he didn't really change that much. Uh, whether Connor Smith would make a difference, I'm not so sure. Again, 18 uh, on loans from Hearts, but in, in general, uh, they 
Aye, they've they've went from being a, a team who are difficult to break down and are and are dangerous and can uh, can a trouble opponents to, to a team that's that's just difficult to break down. And I I, I, I don't see how they will with, with that current squad. I, I don't see how they change that. When when I watched them at the start of the season, they were they were dangerous for about maybe 15, 20 minutes, and then as soon as they conceded a goal, they they kind of collapsed a bit. And it was the collapse that I was more surprised at than anything else. Uh, but I, I, I don't think they'll be. I don't think they'll be troubling the the, the, the promotion playoff spots this time around. I mean, one of the good things is they've got the perfect game this weekend to get their season off to a flyer. But uh, guess who it's against? But what's your views about? I think you've said this before, Sean, that it's not quite clear. If I think our growth have been playing all right, but they've not got points on the boards. But do you think it's going to go the way that they'll? their luck will change and they'll start to get points on the boards or do you think it's more a case of God, this is how they're doing when they're actually playing not that bad. How is it going to be when form dips off or, or when certain players pick up injuries? I mean, I it might be... So So the current run might be bad luck in that mm-hmm. they're playing reasonably well and no picking up points. However, if this is them playing well and they can't win games... What happens when their what happens when their form dips? And as you say, what happens when they start to pick up more injuries? I mean, admittedly, they've got they've got O'Brien out at the moment, which is which is a massive loss. Uh, I, I guess I, I guess we'll find out because if this is them playing well and they're no winning games, and that starts to become a habit, and that must eat into their confidence. And you would imagine that performances might actually start to start to dwindle the longer it goes without a win. I mean, they've had. I mean, who have they played already? They've already so played. So they, they started. They started with Rafe, Rafe Hearts, and so Rafe and Hearts away, and uh, sorry, Rafe and Inverness away, and Hearts at home. So it's a, a, a tough run, and then they've followed up with two home before homes games against Queen of the South and Morton, both draws. They've well, and and you know something, that's games. That's mm-hmm. games that you probably need to win because I would yeah. imagine that Morton will be in the bottom half. Uh, Queen of the South will probably be one of the full time teams that might be towards the bottom end of the table. I think they've got Alloa coming up in a week or two and that could be a really big game, especially when like it, it's only, you're only playing each other three times. I, I think their games against Alloa could be absolutely massive. So uh, I, I, that's, I think that's not this weekend, but the next. So uh, that could be that could be a pretty key encounter uh, to, in terms of what happens at the end of the season. Speaking of one of the teams who they have played and probably should have beaten, uh, or not probably should have beaten uh, they would have fancied themselves as a good chance to pick up three points it's Morton who sits six with seven points so we move on to, uh, to David Hopkins side yeah am I right in saying that there are some concerns from some Morton fans that they haven't been that great I mean I, I saw them against Rovers and they were well and truly scudded but I kind of gave them the benefit of the doubt because they, they did have an early red card I think one of the issues with Morton at the moment is just that it feels a little bit as if they're just trying to get the season over the line so that they can get into the fans' takeover of the club and just sort of, uh, as Orange just want sang, rip it up and start again um, because their squad at the moment is unbalanced and it is unbalanced in a way that you cannot particularly forgive um, because, I mean, this season, obviously, I think there's quite a lot of teams, particularly particularly lower down the leagues who signed who they could when they could to fill gaps in the squad and that maybe means that they've not thought through um, the balance that they have. Um, Greenock Morton have one goalkeeper. Now, if you ask me, that's sort of a a vital position that you might want to have some backup for, even if the backup's cack, you might want to have somebody. Um, Another issue that they've got is that they have, I think, about 10 creative forwards, whatever you want to call them, your wingers and strikers, and unless you're playing, you know, some sort of fancy five-a-side team, um, you cannot a play them all, b play them in a way which is satisfactory, and c keep them all happy, which is the big issue. Now, you might think if you've got that many creative forward players that you maybe would go with, say, uh, a very attack-minded three-five-two, uh, where you've got two um, sort of very dynamic up and down the wing wing backs where you've um, got uh, a couple of your uh, more creative midfielders maybe pushing forward. But yet again, Morton's uh, signing policy doesn't really allow for that. If you have a look at their defence, for example, um, Brian McLean is like boxer in Animal Farm. Um, he's he's 
just gone. Um, so the problem is that you can't really play him in a back two. You've got to go with a back three, which in effect with who they have actually instead becomes a back five. So you've got that back five. Hopkin wants to play as many of the forward players as he can. So he tends to play this strange sort of five, two, three shape. But then the problem is that the midfielders he's got, one is Jim McAllister, who is tremendous and will run all day, but he's not, you know, he's, he's not two people. He is one person. Um, so the problem is that you can't actually connect the, the dots between midfield and attack. So what you then have is you've then got Davy Hopkin trying to work out, do I just play murder ball and do I just play a very stodgy, defensive, minging style of football, which I think is what he tried to do against our growth, or do I try to do something a bit more uh, flair and exciting, um, which then just doesn't work because you can't actually... Uh, you don't have the personnel or you don't have the the shape to play the personnel that you want to in order to actually achieve that. It, it seems to, with... Uh, so, sorry, I was just going to say, so I spoke to Chris Dunning, who does the uh, Just One Cornetto podcast for, for Morton. And he was kind of suggesting that David Copkin probably did have a plan, but the plan was that he would maybe use somebody like Rabi Omar as his wing-back this season. Rabi Omar is... Uh, decent for getting forward. Uh, certainly, he impressed, albeit at, at Elgin, so at a lower level. But actually, it turns out that he can't defend, so they can't use him as, as a wing back. So he's ended up using wing backs that can only really defend. So, so they're, they're really just backs. Yeah. <laughs> so he's, he's ended up with this with this back five. So suddenly, they, they suddenly have probably too many creative players that he can't fit into this fit into the squad. But another thing that, that, that Chris mentioned was, uh, uh, sorry, Craig, Craig Dunning, another thing that he mentioned was that the, the success that they had against their United, so we, the, 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 the 3-2 game that, that Morton turned around in the last uh, kind of seven or eight minutes. In hilarious fashion. In hilarious fashion and fair play to them for, for achieving that, has meant that since then, it's almost like David Hopkins has went, right, so we can get success by just punting the ball into the box. And actually, if you if all you're going to do is punt a ball into the box against a team that can actually defend properly, then all they're going to do is gobble that up and, and clear it. So so he said that since then, the, the kind of style of play has got even more one-dimensional and more kind of stodgy. Uh, so as much as that was a success on the day, it, it feels like it's kind of hindered them since. But it, as you say, it, it's like there's, there isn't a kind of joined-up approach to squad building, uh, and that will that's certainly going to set them back. I mean, guys like, so Aidan Nesbitt is, I would say, their, their best player. One of the more creative players in the championship, potentially, but at the weekend, in the last game, he he didn't even he didn't even make the start 11 because of this system that he's using where they have to have three centre-halves because the only one that would survive in a two would be Marcus Fjortoft, but you kind of play Aidan Nesbitt at, at, at wing-back, so how, how else do you get Aidan Nesbitt in the team? You don't. And it just seems like such a waste. So whether there's another style that they can come up with, I, I'm not sure, but certainly this current one isn't working and is is really grim to watch. It's, it, it does seem like with their, you talk about their squad building, that it's like uh, the, the, the duvet where you you pull it up and your feet are cold, where you, if you cover your feet, then your top is cold. <laughs> I think that's an analogy. If I ask correct. I'm really, I've really been really put off this, that Kitty O's incident uh, <laughs> half an hour ago so just echoing in your head I mean just to read out the players that um, that you would have to try and fit in uh, if I think one of the alternatives that um, Sean's close associate Mr Dunning uh, suggested was that you could maybe go with a 5-3-2 but then if you go with that you can only pick two of Josh McPake Aidan Nesbitt and then you've got McKeever or say Oliver Rabin Omar Robbie Muirhead, um, who was he was played at left wing back, I think, against Sunday, um, which was he got sent off because he was being a bam, but um, it just didn't work at all. Uh, Sal Kells, who actually I thought was quite good against again, I'm going off uh, the 90 minutes saw against Sunday, which proved the point that they were not really creating anything until Nesbitt came off the bench. Uh, Sal Kells, McGuffey, and Wallace. So that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Yeah, that's 10 players. And how can you? And I think this is this is probably the bigger issue in a way is obviously you want to be able to get the results, but a big part of uh, any manager's job is to, to keep everyone happy. And if you've got such a top-heavy squad, there is no way that you can realistically do that because even with the best will in the world, you can maybe play 
five of them in a week if you include people coming off the bench. And I'm not entirely sure how you can play five out of ten, uh, including bench appearances, um, every week and keep everybody really happy. And it's also then becomes quite difficult to actually work out what your best system is, which comes back to what Sean was saying. If you keep chopping and changing it every week, then players aren't building up that knowledge of the system. They're not building up the relationships with who's alongside them either. And if you keep trying to fit square pegs into round holes to, um, you know, uh, work with your uh work with your inadequate duvet, as uh, Joel has mentioned, then it's it's, it's all for nothing. But I so, think really they're they're just looking to get to the end of the season and just work out what to do next. It seems, it seems like Hopkin, they're, I don't want to say they're parallels, kind of similarities with his time at Livingston. Obviously, they, they take a, um, a group of players who there, there was talent. They just basically needed direction. And formed them into this uh, the, the, this real force, and he favoured the back five or the back three, however you'd uh, you'd put it. It was uh, direct football. It was in your face football. It was enjoyable to watch, and it was a fair. Uh, it was at times, and it was effective. But it seems like at the moment when he plays the back five, it seems like it's like the worst. What people thought of Livingston when like, oh, they were just a uh, like one-dimensional long ball when they really weren't. But this is what this Mortonside team, they have the least, they have, they see the least amount of ball in the championship. I think their, average, their possession, the average under 40%. They never have possession. I think, as you say, it was, it was 39% or something. I mean, it's 39. miles away from like, the next best team. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was, it was so far, far behind. And when you don't have... With Hopkins, you had like key players in... Uh, key players in certain positions which were keyed for the formation to work. Uh, energy in midfield, and he's, he's talked about uh, Jacobs not being able to play in, uh, in a two because being overrun, but with Livy had plenty of legs in there. And then in attack, he's obviously had in the, uh, Lee Miller, so someone who is a focal point, but they've got a lot of talent there, like, like the look of um, McPake has had, Josh McPake, I think has impressed in kind of fits and starts, but they don't really seem to have that focal point in attack that Livingston had under Hopkins, who is the central figure when they do go for the long throws or the long balls and then play from there. Maybe maybe these maybe his next signing should be David Martindale. <laughs> there was there's, there's talk of David Hopkins going back to work with David Martindale uh, at Livingston. What the right last thing? Anything else to add on on, on Greenock Morton? No, the only thing I would say is I think they are. I think they're quite fortunate this season in that Queen of South looked like they're in a bit of a guddle as much as they won last time out, and Morton and Aberdeen look like they've regressed. So, are Morton going to trouble the, the top of the league? I don't think so. Are they going to get caught in, in anything at the bottom? No, I doubt it. I, I think Morton will have quite a quite a dull. Mid table, mid table season, which is which is which is probably fine this this time around. Season to forget, Aye. but I think Fjordorf looks like a, a decent find. So you know that's something to something to not, take home and not when he right back at Starts Park and it was an absolute disaster. As long as they came there, I, <laughs> I was thinking that because that that's the only real time I've I've watched. Um, the only 90 minutes of Morton I've watched this season other than highlights and uh, Fjortov really struggled and having seen him for Hamilton I was like yep that makes sense but again he was, he was, he was obviously played, played out of position and maybe championship is uh, is his level another team whose whose level is very much a championship is Heart of Midlovian who uh, I, I, I don't know how to start this so feel free to if you want to talk about Hearts uh, feel free to ask me questions about the uh, Robbie Nielsen's stalled juggernaut. Question one: Should Boyce be dropped? No, they. I, I really like Boyce. I think he is. He is a tre- uh, a very very talented player. He's actually a really. He's a tremendous link uh, link player. He um he turns with the ball so well. His vision and his way of pass are excellent. He's created. He created a great chance for Lee at the weekend. He created Andy Halliday's goal against uh, Alawa and his, his touch and his balance is, is really, really good. But he's, he's got to the point where he isn't getting the... So Robbie Nielsen 
uh, didn't really build his side around him, but he talked up Boyce in the fact that he wanted to bring in wingers who were going to get down to his sides and putting crosses for Boyce because that's what he was best at at Ross County, Nielsen said. It's difficult then when two of your three wingers are Jordan Roberts and Elliot Freer who have barely hit a byline and barely put in a decent cross and then your other winger who has shown promise has been out for the last month and a half I think it is so that limits that kind of limits Boyce's chances there's not much, been much through the middle so he's been dropping deeper and deeper and trying to uh, trying to create more himself and you can tell that in the last few games he's started really well and increasingly he has been frustrated and started playing poorer so I don't think um, I don't think dropping Boyce is the answer I think it's the answer is around him because who do you bring in you bring in Whiten he f- can't play with his back to goal he has to play uh, you have to play to his strengths which is him running in behind I think that's his main strength and no team in the championship is going to allow Hearts to do that they're, just going, to, they're going to sit and defend deep and do, you, just- do, do you still think Hearts are a have a squad that's a top six premiership team. <laughs> I don't think I've ever said those words, Sean. I think um, there's others in the group chat have said that I've just not disagreed. <laughs> no, it's a difficult one because obviously you have, you've been completely right in just saying you've heard for the last, I don't know, 18 months or so about how hearts, how good the hearts team this is on paper but they've not actually shown it. And you're just like, is it actually shite? And I've, I've always maintained that it's, it looks a very good team on paper because you look at the back, the back line of Gordon, Smith, Halkett, Kingsley. So you've got three out of four internationals and then Berra and Berra is fine for championship, but Pesco's a, a bomb scare. And then you've got Haring oh, sitting you, in front. Well, do you know something? Sorry for, sorry, sorry for, for internet. But this was, I suppose this is something I was going to mention because when, and during the summer when Hearts were making signings, I was surprised at how positive the JTs were in the, on the podcast about the signings they were making. So, and, and the reason I'm saying surprising is because I didn't hear very much positivity when these players were playing for other teams. Mm-hmm. So, there the seemed a general... Uh, a general satisfaction with the signing of Popescu, but I don't really remember him getting talked up by anybody that much when he was at St. Martin. Uh, I think Fowler spoke reasonably, uh, not 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 glowingly, but he thought that Freer had attributes that would be okay at, at this level, but I don't remember anybody being uh, complimentary about him when he was at Motherwell. Halliday? I don't remember anybody ever being complimentary about Halliday, but the general consensus seemed to be, and that's that's an okay sign-in. And I suppose when you add that to Jordan Roberts, who is probably performing how you would expect them to mm-hmm. perform, yep. Uh, and then you add that to a team that includes Jamie Walker, who I don't think affects games as much as his reputation would, would suggest. It's funny. I had a look at his. I had a look at his statistics. Uh, he. His scoring record is quite good for somebody who's spent his career as a second striker or a wide player. But in terms of how many goals he's created over his career, it's actually really poor. So I suppose if he's getting used as a wide player, then he's, he's probably a bit of a waste. Uh, and then up front, you have Naismith and Boyce, who I, I don't know if I don't know if it's maybe his injury that, that, that's hampered Boyce, whether he's, he's, he's regressed significantly as a player. Naismith is now of an age where you would expect them to, 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 to be on the wane. And then what's the backup? Whiten, who, as you've, you've just already said, what the, what the issues are with starting Whiten. I, I still think, I mean, Hearts have got a squad that's going to win the championship. We, we, can, we can kind of wind you up about it as much as we want, or should, or should be winning the championship. But I still don't know if it's a very. I still don't know if it's a very good team. I, I can now see looking at that squad. Add in, of course, Robbie Nielsen, who now his default setting seems to be caution. And when you add all that into the mix, you can kind of see how Dunfermline would get at you, and how Alawa would would kind of cause you bother. And it it just kind of looks like a. To me, it kind of looks like a decent championship team. I Wait, um, I- sorry, guy, on you go before. First of all, sorry, I'll just say I. 
everything you've said basically there, Sean, is is, is pretty much bang on the money. Uh, Pope, Popescu, just on the signings, Popescu, I, I like the look of him at St Mirren. I thought he, he thought he impressed. Fowler and I like the look of him at St Mirren. And Freer was, he put in a lot of crosses at Motherwell. And he was, just, uh, with, this, with the stats nerds, he was, uh, he impressed. But no, he's, uh, you're very, you're, uh, you're right to be sceptical about it. Everything else you, you've, you've said is, is spawn. Unfortunately. Unfortunately, <laughs> Unfortunately, Joe, you were really circumspect uh, in the summer when I was trying to get the Hearts fans to make uh, outlandish predictions about what was happening in the championship. Um, and I think we managed to get Fowler down to uh, asking uh, or predicting that there would only be four draws and two defeats all season for Hearts in the championship. Do you th- do you view it as being over or under that? I won't even mention Rob's uh, predictions because they were. I, I, I was. I, I'll admit, I was. I was full of. I was full of bluster as well. I said would squish the league. Um, foolish, foolish now prediction. But as any viewer or listener to the terrace or viewer of the view from the terrace will know that my predictions are shite. So that's uh, that. That's no surprise. At a. So so what was Fowler's four draws and two defeats? Yes. I'll probably I'll probably say that's that's around that that's probably that that would probably be uh, around fair. Um, it's, it's like Sean said, Hearts are a very easy team to play against because it's it's gone back to this like same old issues that try to address pace and uh, uh, kind of pace and width in the in the summer. And as I've said, there's there's, there's real issues there with uh, uh, generally out um, suspended. So it's now sorry out suspended out injured. So now we're left with very little uh, width, uh, pace and creativity. One dimension, like really one pace in the midfield, there is of aging legs. There's there's not a team that can play high tempo. And there's a lot of Dundee United fans who are are, are saying, basically, we told you with, with Nielsen. And I have, I've spoken to... Um, spoken to... I've, 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 I've heard through associates... Uh, from people who play for opposition teams in the championship that basically hearts are very easy to play against that Nielsen is as Sean said is 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 very cautious his his go-to is to kind of um shut up shop and he, he sensed one player sensed there was a fear uh, amongst Hearts in terms of well shouldn't they, uh, Hearts in the championship shouldn't be playing with fear they should be playing with uh, uh, kind of not not expansive all out uh, attacking football but they should be playing with uh, with confidence and uh, a slight dominance my issue is that one of many issues is the noises coming at Hearts they've really tried to play it down it's like oh we knew this was going to be that this was going to be tough and tough and it just seemed not defeatist but certainly pessimistic. Um, They're probably it. hoping that that uh, that tweets that they issued on the opening day of the season doesn't come back to bite them on the arse. They're maybe thinking we don't want to give uh, give the tweeters of this world a lot more screenshots to unveil come May. The FM if if, if hearts. If Hearts don't get promoted, I mean, uh, from this division, I mean, even I would laugh, but it would be <laughs> the biggest embarrassment and uh, there'd be there'd be absolute uproar. And I think a lot of Hearts uh, fans would be, um, uh, would be removing themselves from Twitter and, say, and, and, and social media. But no, I think Hearts, just, this is just like, you mentioned about uh, Morton, just getting to the end of the season. For Hearts, it's about getting to the end of the season. And, there can't be many more displays like Aloe at the weekend. I was was absolute fizzing at the end of that because I just went through player by player uh, underperformance and uh, Dunfermline who uh, deserved deserved to win. That there'll be teams who will be very much up for games against Hearts, and it is uh, is about kind of matching that in tempo and intensity, but they've not done so, and just trying to eke out and. Yeah, I just just want to get to the end of this the end of the season because, like I said, I think I say on the show, Nielsen is on a hiding to nothing. He has he, the, the expectation is to win every game, so the win and that's expectation. Don't win and kind of knives are out. But uh, yeah, we're we're just pretty much shite. Last day of the season starts, Puck. Yeah, you you've mentioned that you've mentioned that previously. Uh, um, that would be that would be quite something, sexy John McGlynn. With his baseball cap, his shirt and tie, and his shorts, come out and celebrating on the pitch. 
Right. That's enough arts. We'll move on to the, our last section and we're going to talk about stuff that's, uh, we've, that we feel or we think is been under the radar in lower leagues. So this could be anything anything daft, uh, a player, a manager, whether they've been uh, performing well or perf- uh, performing poorly. Uh, it could be anything. So Gary, we'll start with you. Um, there's two things that I want to raise. One is just more an interesting uh Interesting little stat that I spotted, which is that uh, you spoke, I think, on uh, A View from the Terrace, the, the TV show, um, not uh, part of the podcast, um, et cetera, et cetera, about uh, how Montrose was the place to go for goals. So I thought, oh, God, League One must be a very exciting place to be this season. But if you're a fan of one of the teams in the lower reaches of League One, it's really not, um, because all of the teams in the bottom half of League One at the moment are averaging less than a goal per game. Uh, among them is Clyde, um, who scored three quarters of their goals um, through David Goodwillie in one game. <laughs> um, so it's it's interesting. I'm not entirely sure of why this curse has struck half the teams in League One uh, and whether it's simply a symptom of the teams further up in League One. Obviously, we've got the um, slight, it's not really a bottleneck as such, but you know, Falkirk, Thistle, uh, Airdrieonians and Cove are all probably looking at that league and thinking that, um, you know, if the, if the stars align properly, then this could be their year. So I don't know if it's maybe just that there's a little bit of a gulf opening, um, not I, necessarily two tiers, but certainly a top tier and a bottom tier within League One. I, or I, I think it's exactly that. So I remember when we, when we discussed League One at the start of the season, I was like, you're looking at Falkirk who should really be better than everybody else. Partick Thistle at that point still had Declan Glass. So I was thinking, right, well, they, uh, and, and, and a reasonable squad, so they might be able to cause Falkirk bother. Cove, I thought, were the outsiders, but thought had a decent a decent squad for a part-time team. And then you had Montrose in East Fife. Montrose looked like they've regressed slightly, but, but are really exciting. East Fife looked like they've went backwards alarmingly. And then after that, you... You maybe had a couple of teams, somebody like Dumbarton or Clyde, because David Goodwill in their ranks would probably be able to be mid-table. And then everyone after that will probably be trying to stay out of the, the kind of relegation places. So ah, you, you very much almost have like uh, two divisions in, in that league. And I think you do have three or Airdrie. So I've not mentioned Airdrie. So, so Airdrie, have, Airdrie had a weird squad that we didn't really know what to make of. It, it looks like they've probably got enough talent in that team to, 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 to finish in that top four. And ah, you, you probably have a you probably have two divisions within that league, and as you say, you, you probably have maybe four, maybe five teams that are okay, and the rest are are trying to think to, are, are trying to just survive in that league. Uh, yeah. But it didn't do me any good in terms of trying to find a team for a view for terrace that, that had a negative goal difference that could potentially win a game this weekend for Bank or Bust. But uh, what? What might uh, cheer you, at least, uh, is the um, my other little under the radar. Uh, item, Sorry, Gary, was... before before you go on, is just I just wanted you, you mentioned him. You, I just wanted to talk about um, David Goodwillie. Obviously, when it comes to praising David Goodwillie, it's something we usually try and avoid on on the show for understandable reasons. But his his hat trick you mentioned against Montrose was was, was absolutely brilliant. There was I, I, excellent, and Clyde would be. Clyde would be goosed, absolutely goosed uh, without him. He is the, I mean, last season, Clyde probably had the spine of a team that was actually pretty good. I I, I don't think they have that anymore. They've they've lost, uh, they've, they've probably lost too many players further back, but they've, the, the fact that they've well, retained Goodwill, I, I think he said like a three-year deal at some point, uh, but he's he's the player that will that will absolutely keep them well away from the relegation zone. The, the more uh, cheery thing to talk about is... Um, I don't know if you remember, but there were there was a story a few years ago about uh, a young Senegalese player uh, who moved to Scotland uh, at the age of eleven, I think, um, and uh, was clearly a fantastic footballer. Um, but he had gone through a pretty lengthy work permit process because he was uh, having to uh, secure indefinite leave to remain from the Home Office. Um, now, usually, when you see these sort of stories, you think, well, you know, that's a great story. I'm really glad that he's. Um, be able to, 
to build his career, but you've always got that little feeling that maybe it's not going to to work out, that perhaps the, the story is is better than the player will turn out to be. But it looks as if um, Muhammad Niang is actually going to um, really build a career in Scotland. He um, he was at Pollock Juniors for a while, um, won the, uh, I think it's the Jimmy Johnson Memorial Trophy with them. Um, so he was seen as a, a really uh, promising centre half at the time. He then signed for Partick Thistle on a three-year deal, I think, um, and was sent out on loan, I think, first to, to Pollock and then on to Montrose last season, um, where he actually played as a more of a defensive mid for them. Um, and this season, he's gone back to Thistle. Thistle have had various issues um, with uh, their squad, which has meant that he has managed to break through into the first team and, uh, by the sounds of it, is uh, is doing them a turn at centre-half, uh, which was obviously his original position. Um, so it's uh, a player, I think, to, to keep an eye on because it's, it's always nice to see these things turn out well. And I think in this year, we, we all need good stories. I'd, uh, you, know, you know something, I, I mentioned him a couple of weeks ago, uh, and but I'd actually reference him in terms of part of this will look like they've got injury worries, their squad's really thin, and I'd mentioned that, that he'd had to go to full, uh, had to go to centre-half because uh, because they, 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 they essentially run out of centre-halves. What I didn't realise actually was that Montrose were actually playing him, I suppose, out of his natural position as a defensive midfielder because I knew he'd played there for them for the mighty more. But I, as you say, he's been he's been really impressive this term for for Thistle. Yeah, it's, it's it's one of the one of the best stories in in Scottish football. I think certainly there was there was talk of a view from Terrace doing a, a feature on him, but I think that may have just. Uh, uh, didn't didn't quite work out for for one reason or another. I when Hearts played Partick Thistle about seventeen times during pre season, I was at one of them, and he I think he came on. I think he came on in mid, uh, midfield, but I was I was kind of late sub, and because of hearing his story, I was kind of intrigued to and intrigued to see see more of him. But it's good to see that he's actually playing in his playing, but also playing in in his best position. Uh, I'll just jump in with one of mine. Simon Murray returned uh, at the weekend and obviously returned to, to Scottish football, having been in South Africa. He came off the bench against Senus Muir and scored in a 3-1 win, if I can remember correctly. He, I hadn't realised, I hadn't realised, I knew he'd been in South, uh, South Africa and uh, he'd been signed for Queen's Park, but I hadn't realised the, the reason for that. Uh, the reasons behind it, people will think, oh, just Queen's Park got a lot of money in, it'll just be for money. But actually, he'd been out for 16 months. I hadn't actually hadn't actually realised this until I was reading an interview um, done by um, Ewan Booth uh, Robertson, who, who who spoke to him and he kind of, he was explaining his, he was explaining his, um, playing his uh, injury and it just it sounded gruesome so uh, he's he ruptured his ACL and tore his meniscus so they had to put another ligament through the knee to act as the ACL it, it, it's, it just sounded grim and the fact that he, he said that he was it was um, wasn't so much the getting back to playing football we just actually walking normally like doing basic everyday tasks that were uh, that, that, that that was kind of like mentally tough and it's Murray is someone who obviously we play for Hebs, played uh, played for Dundee United, and kind of didn't uh, kind of fall out the radar at South, uh, South Africa because we all remember. I think we should all remember that video of them um, in the dressing room where they're all banging singing, the cupboards. <laughs> in the cupboards, yeah. Um, he was he, he was he was someone someone was someone was, uh, someone was on the guitar. He was on the cupboards uh, as uh, as they danced and sang around. What was his, uh, what was his romantic poem? When they announced that his his missus was pregnant. Oh yeah, oh, it was. Yeah. Um, roses are red, violets, violets are blue. blue. I pumped you in June. <laughs> they basically used an expression that I thought to myself, "I really hope your in laws don't follow you on the social media." <laughs> yeah, that, that's not what you want to hear your daughter doing. He did tweet yesterday uh, that Neymar is a jobby as well, so he's back on form in, in more ways than one. At least he's, at least he's using funny words. Yeah, jobby is jobby is funny. Jobby is a, is a funny word, but no, he. I, I just found that it was sixty months out, and basically he said that he he did have offers elsewhere, and I think higher up the leagues, but it was because they were um, Queens Park were offering them stability, and obviously money will no, no doubt uh, play a part. <laughs> 
Uh, and, uh, and and gifts that go from 1 to 30 in terms of how many goals he's going to score this <laughs> well he's off the mark and I don't know if they're going to count he's I think he played against Caledonian Braves in a friendly he, he scored a hat-trick I think it was off the bench so he um, uh, that doesn't count no he, well he, he, he's up he's to on him. sorry he's on one <laughs> Romario counted every single goal he scored. Why can't why can't Simon Murray? How, how many times Romario have Queens Park wrong. got to play Brecon this season? I think they've got to play him two, uh, two more times. Two more, two times. more times. Two more. Okay, times. so there's ten. So, <laughs> Sean, what about you? Anything that you'd like to bring to the bring to the table? I would like to mention uh, one of the goalkeepers that I have enjoyed watching most this season is um, Vijame. Now, apologies, that's probably not how you pronounce his, his first name. Sinisalo, that plays for Air United. He is the Finnish under-21 goalkeeper. He is he is 19 years old. He is uh he quite clearly has aspects to his game that are that he is excellent at, and he has aspects of his game that he very much needs to improve upon. Uh, if if he if he cannot improve upon them, then he is going to give away some absolute stinkers this season. <laughs> He's he's been very enjoyable to watch. I, I, Gary, did you watch the did you watch the stream of United Dundee? I don't want to talk about it, Sean. But, but did uh, you watch? No, it? <laughs> no, I did not actually. Oh, right, so you did not. Right, okay. So, uh, yes. Yeah, so, 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 Sean, I, I don't know if uh, I've, I when you mentioned that you were going to sp- uh, speak about him because I was actually I'm, I was glad you were because I've seen his name, I've seen him mentioned, and obviously United have done well with goalkeepers recently so I was quite intrigued to uh, to see what he's like so the fact that he said you're going to uh, talk about him I went back and watched some clips of him and there's one clip specifically from the Dundee match uh, I, I want to talk about but I'll, it might be the one you're about to mention so I'll let you, I'll, I'll let you go on so, so, so basically in the first I think it was the first six minutes of the Dundee I'm saying the first six minutes but it's three incidents all occurred in about a 60 second period so there was a let me get this right. There was a there was a ball into the area that he came for. He didn't have to come far from it. I think it was maybe it was either just inside the six yard box or just outside the six yard box, but away from goal, if that makes sense. So he came for it and tried to get something on it, but he, he missed it by a mile and then almost done a kind of somersault while missing the ball. So the defence managed to clear it back out wide. He managed to get back to his feet, get back into position. The delivery then came in from the left-hand side. He then had to go for it because a Dundee player was coming in from the right-hand side. So he had to try and get something on it. So he came. You kind of presumed they would try and catch it, but instead he just tried to... He kind of just threw a punch at it. So he just got something on it. Then that went out for a corner. Then the corner came in. He came out and tried to double fist or certainly fist it away. But... He's got this technique where he fists things down. So he fisted it down at the ground. So in, in the space of in the space of yeah, say sixty seconds, he had three real dodgy decisions that Dundee couldn't quite capitalise on, and that seems to be a recurring theme with him. However, his shot stopping is absolutely brilliant. So oh, yeah. he had he had he had a save in the second half that was I, I don't know who the Dundee player was. It felt him. It fell to him in the box. He shimmied round an air defender and he had an attempt at goal. It was from about eight or nine yards in the second. Could have been maybe. And he, I mean, he leathered it. And he was like, right, well, that's... The, obviously, I knew the scoreline when I watched the highlights. I'm like, how, how has he kept this out? But his, uh, he had a dive to his, to his right. And he had like a really, really strong wrist to, to keep it out. And he had to move at, at quite the rate of knots to, to get across to, to save it. But he, he has... He has quite. A, I don't know how to describe it. He's. I think technically, in terms of shot and stops, he, he does all the all the right things in terms of getting his body behind the ball and and uh, kind of getting his knee down behind his behind his hands to, to gather the ball up. But he just has quite an, an aesthetically pleasing dive, if that makes sense. So the way that he the way that he taps the ball to, to his left or right, he, he seems to have a really strong wrist to, to the point where he almost. He almost wrists the ball away rather than palms it away. I, I, I'm he's, not entirely sure how to describe it. It just seems like he seems like he's a good laugh. So he's, he's, he's a good goalkeeper that I suspect is going to be at fault for three absolute howlers at, at some point. Uh, but he also he looks like he's really looks like he's really confident with the ball at his feet. So in terms of in terms of passing the ball out for the back, in terms of his uh, clearances, it, like it, it, 
all of that seems very good. It's just cross balls into the area that he, that he maybe needs to work on. But he's only 19, so uh, plenty of time for him. He but, is but someone who... He's, he's, he's exciting. You only... You, yeah, he's, he's, he's brilliant, but you only usually use this... Uh, quality or attribute to kind of talk up a midfielder but he seems a really dynamic goalkeeper really <laughs> agile just the way he, like he, he gets across the box and stuff the, the clip I was actually think uh, thinking of was I was an, it was it kind of epitomised your point the fact that he's not very good at cross balls but he makes good saves and there was one in the I think it was the first half so there's a ball to the back post. And you know how Peter Schmeichel does that thing where he just makes himself really big? Yeah, yeah the star shape. The star, star shape. Shot. So yep. he did a star shape and he got nowhere near the ball, but in the air, he was doing the star shape, but turning at the same point. And it was like, it's like someone walking down the street, they, they, they've turned to, to say hello to someone. And then they turned and just walked in or just hit a pole. But it wasn't a pole, it was just the ball coming and the ball just kind of just hit him. It was... That, that's uh, a, that, that, that sounds like something Duncan Mackay would do. <laughs> but, but, but see when that, see when that, no, you're right, I, I actually forgot about that, but when that ball come in and he, he went for it using that kind of star shape, I'm like, right, are you, is this your attempt to come for the ball or are you already realising that you're not going to get the ball and you're now just trying to make yourself big because you're anticipating the Dundee, the Dundee forward getting, getting a header in or, or getting an, an attempt? He's just getting goal. into character very, very early. <laughs> it, it, was a very, it was a very unorthodox way to come for a, to come for a ball. And that, that, probably sums up his, that probably sums up his style. He is, he's unorthodox. So we play, we play, we, we play Air United a week on Saturday. And I, he, he's one of the reasons that I'm really looking forward to that game. I'm, I'm looking forward to, to watching them for 90 minutes. And it sounds a bit Morton will have a field day against them. The Davy uh, Hopkins tactic of just shelling balls into the box needlessly. Well, actually, well, what was him and goals when they, when they, when they, they uh, had that turnaround? Exactly. And, and he, he probably wasn't at fault for any of them in his defence. Remarkably. Uh, so that's the hour there. Do you want to go on with more or do you want to call it quits? I uh, the only thing I, the only thing else I was going to say was I am I'm very excited about Fife Derby on on Saturday first time we've met each other in the league for three years and I am really looking forward to it I don't know if I will be as cheery or positive come five o'clock on Saturday but I am looking forward to it and I'm glad that the I'm, I'm glad it's back we we haven't played each other very many times in general over the last ten years we've had uh, Wraith Rovers have had their uh, League One difficulties Dunfermline have had their League One difficulties <laughs> we've, we've kind of avoided each other at, at, at various points we haven't played each other when we're doing quite well since 2010-11 uh, when Wraith finished second in, in the final one league and, and fair play to them so I, I, I'm i looking forward to this I'm looking forward to this this weekend I don't know how it will go I would say Wraith are probably the underdogs but um, I'm really looking forward to it that's would, fine uh, on you go, Gary. On you go. Sorry. I was just going to say, uh, I mean, obviously, Sean, I, I attended another Fife derby with you. I take it, and this is your chance to set the record straight, that East Fife is not a derby as far as uh, Wraith Rovers fans are concerned. I, I, I would say they are uh, I would say they are a Fife derby, but 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 they're not they're not the Fife derby. Do they fall below Cowden Beef or uh as it as it currently stands, I suppose Wraith Rovers East Fife would be our second Fife Derby, whereas Wraith Cowdenbeath would be the third Fife Derby. Okay, I, I, I just used wondered. To, I, never used, they, I never used to mind playing East Fife because we went. They didn't beat us for thirty years, so it was just like playing East Fife is absolutely fine. But where I'd started to take umbrage to it was when they started to beat us. And uh, <laughs> I'm not so keen on this Fife Derby anymore. I, I reckon. I reckon I can pinpoint the exact moment that the. East Fife Rafe Rovers match changed and it was with the Rafe Rovers fan who was going for someone with a steel chair or it might be a plastic chair but it said it looked like a it looked like a, a steel chair I, uh, I I I was at the back of the stand and I laughed at that and it was just the fact that when he was running about with his chair above his head and then this female steward just wandered up to him and said well I, I don't know what she said but presumably she said something along the lines of go and put that chair down and so he just put the chair down <laughs> <laughs> and sound it. 
But you bringing the Fife Derby up is the is, is, is a perfect link for me because tune in to A View From The Terrace at 10.30pm on Friday, BBC Scotland channel, because Sean, you will be talking about Dunfermline Rafe Rovers, but from more of a Dunfermline... More of a Dunfermline perspective, yeah. Perspective. Yeah, please, please tune in. And you'll be jo- joining, um, joining, jumping on my mighty mo bandwagging with uh, with some starstri- star- Starship Troopers analogies. It, it was the only it was the only analogy that made sense for uh, Paul Watson. I would I would thoroughly encourage anyone or everyone to to tune in just to see that. But yes, thanks very much, Sean. Thanks very much, Gary. Cheers. Anytime. Be sure to check us out on on Twitter, Instagram. Go across to Patreon where there is absolutely plenty of content available for, I think it's £2, £5 and £7 now rather than 2 5 and $7. So that's patreon.com forward slash Terrace Podcast. We'll be back on Monday, no doubt. I think Craig Cairns will have, um, will have um, had an interview, um, interview uh, podcast with Chris Iwalumo. I've not checked my podcast um, updates. And obviously uh, Monday show, looking back at the uh, weekend's action. So plenty to get your teeth into. But that is us for tonight. Thank you very much and see you later. I'm away to kitty yours. (laughs) Oh, what an absolute fud. Sports Social Podcast Network.